The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, the Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited, and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Well, today we're going to go into Climate Matters number 110, and what we're going to cover in that is what we call Beyond at the Coalface Competition. There'll be a, a bit more on that. We're going to give a policy tip to government on their approach to user pays thinking. And then we've got an interesting little bit on behind the our world in data and the person that's behind that. We've also referenced a sobering global risks report for 2024. That's, and then we're also, of course, we've got a, a hot tip and we've got a quirky little um quiz for you. So let's get into we'll start with the quiz because then you can be thinking about it. If you it's one of those things though I think you won't be thinking about it. You'll either know it or you won't. What is a sverdrup? A sverdrup. And what is the climate significance? That is spelled S V E R D R U P Sverdrup. And what is its significance for climate? So you can ponder that while we go through the other stuff. Well, um, sometimes, I've sometimes said how we we seem to get waves of um, information pointing in the same direction that give a bit of a theme to a climate matters. This one is conspicuous by its lack of a theme, <laughs> a little bit on maybe deep thinking, but apart from that, nothing that stands out. But anyway, um, we're launching the series. We did touch on that briefly in Climate Matters 109, launching the competition, I'm sorry. So um, we'll give you more on that in a moment. I'm also a bit like a cracked record when it comes to changing our driving habits. They are, in a way, not only a no-brainer, but they're the make or break of a lot of our decarbonizing in New Zealand. In fact, around much of the world, but particularly New Zealand, because we have relatively low emissions energy supplies. And the other big chunk of our emissions, of course, is agriculture, and that's handled by a different branch of um, of our government regulation, not a different branch, but a different direction of it. We also mentioned two big think tanks in the world, our world in data, I've mentioned that briefly, and the World Economic Forum, who did the Global Risks Report. And... They're great reports, but we also um, pose questions about some of their basic logic. So you'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, looking at beyond at the coalface, enter the competition and help decarbonize English. Resilience is stoked to offer, well, we are stoked to offer, a serious fun competition, and it comes with great prizes from Cheer Sisters. Now, if you don't know of Cheer Sisters, they're an inspirational nutritional drinks company. Their their drinks are inspirational, but so is their climate engagement. They've got some an impressive list of achievements on their website. If you go to it, Chia as in C H I A, and maybe you'll look at that. I haven't given. I won't give a link to that on the free Fresh FM website. 
However, coming back to the competition, it's part of our crucial quest to slash fossil fuels, and we're just saying it's time to rethink at the coalface, even though it's a well-known um, phrase and its meaning is well understood. It also is popularizing, not popularizing, but referencing a fossil fuel that we have to stop using. So we're taking the approach that we have to try and stop using that saying as well. So we're running the competition for an equivalent climate-friendly phrase or phrases that we can be proud to use and know we're not perpetuating a um, an old-fashioned thinking. Who knows? And also, I mean, you you might have an entry that changes the English language if it resonates around the world and, and sayings do catch on. So you never know. There are th Actually, it says there there are three entry classes, but we've actually got four entry classes now, primary and intermediate school students, secondary students, and open. But we've added in a fourth prize, and that is for the best school class entry. We've also got great judges, Chloe Van Dyke, who's the founding director of Chia Sisters, and Simon Miller, who's the CEO of the green business organization Pure Advantage. Simon and his crew are doing incredible work, particularly in the uh, podcast space and so on. Um, they've done wonderful stuff on regenerating agriculture. They've done uh, run forestry, uh, inspirational forestry conferences. And they have just launched the wonderful recloaking Papatuanuku initiative, which has got world acclaim and which we have reported on, I think, either in Climate Matters 109 or 108. I just want to now switch to a quote. I was sitting with a, a group of people we meet once a week or so to chat about climate things. And Jace Hobbs is an inventor and a climate activist and campaigner who was there, and he made the comment, our moments may never be this full of possibilities again. That's a very simple statement. And then as I thought about it, my gosh, if you're thinking of responding to the climate crisis, he's absolutely right. It's worth unpicking a bit because if we in fact think we've got to get on and doing with the actions we can and our options are reducing as things get worse, as time ticks on, or the challenges get greater. Our moments may never be this full of possibilities again. Thanks, Jace, for that. We want to take it very seriously and not underrate it just because it's a simple saying. Going on, policy tip to government, widen your user pays thinking. The government has decided to impose road user charges on electric vehicles starting in the 1st of April. And the rationale for that is because users should pay for the roads they use and that EVs use the same as other cars. Now, to that extent, in a very narrow window, that's fair enough. But quite aside from the climate implications, that reasoning should apply more widely. For example, each fossil fuel car adds about $2,000 a year to the nation's health bill. That's each car. And who pays that? The, the health service. Everybody pays that through their taxes. So that's not a user pays situation. Also, if you think of the motorways and congested motorways, and typically 70% of those cars have single occupants in them. So if you compare those with a four occupant car, and that single occupant is making four times the demand on the road. They need They've got all of their car space and everything for one person as against four person. 
they're doing wear and tear on the road for and the, the wear and tear is very similar the, the weight of the people in the car is very small compared to the weight of the vehicle so there's another case in point um, and also of course the exhaust gases from uh, from fossil fuel vehicles treat the atmosphere as a free dump for their pollution so again there's a user page thing and that's got horrendous consequences as we know um, I reference there at a bit of a sideways step two deep thinkers, Nate Hagens and Daniel Schmachtenberger. Listeners will have heard me mention them before. And they debate what you might call or what they call boundary issues and are known as boundary issues, which is the boundary between the stuff we count as an effect and the stuff that we don't count. So in that case, I'm suggesting the user pays thinking the government is taking a slightly convenient approach to the boundaries. They're saying, oh, we're going to include electric vehicles in that because they use the road, but then we're treating single occupancy vehicles the same as multiple occupancy, um, and we're not going to charge for the pollution that <laughs> that cars, uh, fossil fuel cars make and so on. So I've I've referenced a fascinating but pretty long discussion between Hagens and Schmachtenberger in a series, it's the first of a series, it's called Bend Not Break. And I just, um, there'll be a link to that on the website, but I will just say it's not casual listening. Expect a one and a half hour gray matter workout is what I've said in the climate matters. So you can do as you see fit with that. If you're up to engaging with them, then I think you'll be impressed at their their knowledge, their breadth of coverage, and their the intellect that they bring to bear on it. So talking about intellect, the next item I, I headed up and the grey matter behind our world in data and referenced a great Radio New Zealand interview. I sometimes quote our world in data. If you've seen the hard copies of Climate Matters, you'll sometimes see it in there with their little blue badge or logo beside it. But only recently did I discover the Oxford researcher called Hannah Ritchie who is one of the founders and directors of Our World in Data. And the point about that is that Jesse Mulligan just had a great interview with Anna, and um, it was spurred in part by the fact that she's got a new book called Not the End of the World, which is on my reading list. I haven't got it yet, but I will do. And so if you want to hear a series of well-informed answers by Hannah to well-posed questions by Jesse, then go to the link that we have put on the Climate Matters webpage. Sorry, on the Fresh FM webpage for Climate Matters. A take-home for me was a phrase that Hannah used, which was urgent optimism. She is optimistic, qualified optimism about our ability to tackle the climate. We have to do it urgently. And she frames that as it demands that we all get engaged. It's urgent optimism. We have to give it our urgent attention in order for the outcome to justify our optimism. The book's on my buy list, as I mentioned. And in part, I want to check out why Richie, when she was talking to Jesse Mulligan, she framed the energy solution almost entirely around the cost of renewals and the fact that they were increasingly competitive or undercutting the cost of fossil fuels without mentioning their myriad downsides. So I hope we hear from her again, but I also hope I find an, a, a suitable answer to that question I just posed about why didn't she deal with the downsides of renewable energy as well. She did have a quote to Jesse Mulligan, and I want to quote that now. 
fact, Jesse Mulligan quoted it to her. He found it in her book. Pessimism sounds intelligent and optimism dumb. And the point about that is that that's a, an easy reaction to somebody being pessimistic. It sounds like they know what they're doing and they're being cautious. Someone being optimistic is sort of right brain and being a bit um, emotional about things. But Helen Ritchie, I'm sorry, Hannah Ritchie's approach is very different to that. And she says it's fine to be optimistic if you're, if you're well-founded and particularly if you bring the other forms of optimism like urgent optimism she mentioned. So have a listen to that, uh, that interview by Jesse Mulligan and I'm sure you'll get stuff out of it. Now we come to a sobering Global Risks Report 2024 from no less than the World Economic Forum. And here's what I've written about that. For a stock take of pretty well everything, it's hard to imagine a more sweeping document than the Global Risks Report, which we'll put a link to. They've got about 1,500 experts around the world in all sorts of different fields, politics, business, science, and and the topics range from the dominant, emerging dominance of AI to the extreme weather risks to misinformation and to things like global tipping points on climate. It does make heavy reading. It doesn't have very many bright spots. And here's a quote from it. Latest research, it warns, increasingly suggests that long-term changes to planetary systems will be triggered over the next decade, and get this, possibly without the world realizing that the point of no return has passed. So that's something to take very seriously. As I said, I'll put a link to it. I don't know how much of it you want to read, but even if you skim through the diagrams. On effective solutions, it talks about favoring this is climate solutions, favoring international treaty, but it stresses the importance of national and local strategies as well and says they will be critical. It also dips into the credibility. Um, it, it dips a bit in credibility for me because in spite of the magnitude and inertia of the issues it covers, its view of long term seems limited to 10 years. Now, I find it amazing that a global risks report from a multinational organization is not framing anything beyond about 10 years. There may be a reason for that buried in the document that I haven't seen, but that's where it's at. Okay, time for a hot tip. We're nearly at the end. Of course, not surprising. Join the competition, help the climate, change our language, imagine a climate-friendly... I'll try that again. Hotter tip for a cooler planet. Join the competition. Help the climate. Change our language. Just imagine a climate-friendly term to replace at the coalface. As you know, we'll give you a link there. Now, here's the answer to the the quiz, the riddle. What is a sverdrup? A sverdrup. And what it is, is a, f- a flow of liquid of one million cubic meters per second. One million cubic meters per second. That's, uh, by my mental calculation, 100 meters by 100 meters by 100 meters. So that's uh, like all of Eden Park standing 100 meters high every second. That's how much water's flowing. To give you an idea, the Amazon River flows at 0.2 sphere drop. 
but they're talking in terms of the, the real reason this has emerged is that the, the, the alarming slowdown of the deep ocean circulation that is normally driven by the, the salt content around the Arctic, the, and Antarctic is slowing down and it's slowing down by about 0.8 sverdrup per decade. In other words, every 10 years, it drops by about four Amazon rivers. To put that in context, if my memory is correct, one Amazon river is seven times the content of the next 10 biggest rivers. So in other words, we're talking of a massive decline in global circulation that is going to be impossible to restore. If we ever wanted a reason to get on and do something differently about climate, gosh, that should give it to us. The introduction to today's Climate Matters went a little differently. We've changed the sequence that we're advising of the community access radio station broadcasts and so on. So that's what's coming up now, and that'll be the pattern from now on. So Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net, and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the Access Media dot nz app okay thank you very much for your company i hope you've got something out of this episode lindsay wood signing off and of course kia kaha for the climate the podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show First broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.